Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. If you haven't seen our new video, Sound of Silence, where we collaborated with the Maccabees yet, head over to JewInTheCity.com or YouTube to see our viral video. We are over 200,000 uh, views in our first week. And as is our mission at Jew in the City, we're here to break down stereotypes about Orthodox Jews. We're here to show the meaning behind an observant Jewish life. And thank God the feedback that we're getting from this video is incredible. People are writing in. They, they're crying, tears, shivers, chills. They don't have words to express how this video is impacting them because we show a different take on what the sound of silence looks like in 2017 and how the antidote for the sound of silence, this disconnected world, is actually something found within Judaism. Um, so go on over and check it out if you haven't seen it yet and be sure to share it. Uh, along with our mission-breaking uh, a mission of breaking down stereotypes, showing the positive sides of the Orthodox community, not just the meaning within an observant Jewish life, but also all the positive stories that often don't get reported on. We love to tell stories of Chesed here and Jew in the City Speaks. And recently, I found out about an incredible organization. I was uh, in touch with uh, one of the board members of this organization, a woman named Amy Barron, um, who is a doctor, a busy mother, and just on the side, she's also involved in a a kind of work that impacted her life personally. Uh, she had several um, miscarriages in the middle of her pregnancies, and she got involved with this incredible organization called Nechama Comfort. Um, and Nechama Comfort helps women and families who have had miscarriages and losses of infants up to a year old. Um, what I think is so incredible about this organization and just sort of the, the chesed, the kindness that is done in so much of the Orthodox world is that there is really every niche, every sort of slice of an area where someone might be hurting or might be in pain or might need help. There is someone out there um, to get involved. And so today we have two of the founders and board members of Nechama Comfort joining us. We have Reva Judas, um, and she suffered a loss of her first son 12 hours after he was born. Uh, she and her husband, Danny, experienced six miscarriages. Um, and this uh, compelled her to want to uh, create resources for other families that were struggling uh, through the same thing. Um, and we also have joining us today Ellen Kreischer, who lives in Teaneck with her husband and three children. She has a master's in computer science and works as a manager in a technology company. Um, and she also was part of uh, founding the Chama Comfort when her daughter was a stillborn at 37 weeks. Uh, Reva and Ellen, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. So um, what we'd like to kind of do on the show is hear a little bit about um, your Jewish background and a little bit about your personal background. I, I gave the, or the background that sort of uh, imp um, kind of pushed you or inspired you to start this organization. So um, I guess one at a time, you can decide who's going first. Um, how did you grow up in terms of your uh, Judaism and where did giving back, where did chesed, where did tzedakah play in, in terms of your Jewish upbringing? Uh, thank you so much, Allison. And by the way, I, I did watch the Sounds of Silence YouTube video. It is amazing. Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Um, so I grew up in um, the life of a rabbi's daughter. My father is a retired rabbi of 50, over 50 years. We lived in many different communities, 
around the country. My father was, is an Orthodox rabbi. He got from Yeshiva University, 1960s, and at that time, Yeshiva University sent the rabbis out to save the world, to help all types of Jews. We would live, go to an Orthodox synagogue, but the membership ranged from basically unaffiliated to Orthodox. So we really were able to see um, Judaism and, and grow and learn and get an understanding and be respectful of all the different types of Jews that, that are around. And to this day, um, we're fortunate to look back and to really see the influence that my family has had in helping families grow within their Judaism and within their lives to the next generations. And I guess that was the inspiration of doing chesed, of doing kindness, of giving back. That's how we were raised. Okay, excellent. And um, Alan? I, I grew up in, uh, in Maryland, actually, in a modern Orthodox community. And I came to go to school in New York and met a wonderful man who lived in Borough Park, actually. Uh, when we came out to New Jersey, um, I was far away from my immediate family. And um, it, I had to turn to the community for the kind of support that people get when they live with very close-knit families. Um, and the more I saw what was available that people were willing to do for me, it made me really open my eyes to what I as an individual could do for other people. And then when I had uh, the loss of, of uh, my daughter, um, it, it just became a natural fit to say, you know, this is, I see a real need and I see that there's uh, a place for me to be able to help other people the way that Reva was able to help me. So, um, you know, Thankfully, I mean, I think probably, do you have a sense, actually, maybe before I say how common or not common this is, how common um, is miscarriage, how common is infant loss? Do you have any sense of the statistics that we're dealing with here? So, you know, everybody knows the statistics of one in four pregnancies will be a miscarriage. You know, mm -hmm. this is what goes around all the time. Um Years ago, people didn't even know they were having a miscarriage before, you know, in-home pregnancy tests. Uh, people just thought they, you know, didn't get pregnant. So the loss is, um, you know, technically it's one in four. But um, one point, it's, the statistics are 1.4 million pregnancies are a year and 1 million end in miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And 26,000 stillbirths occur after 20 weeks. Um, and um, the statistic says, you know, 19,000 deaths in the first month of life and 39,000 in the first year of life. Mm. So this, uh, this is in the U.S. Excuse me? This is, this in, is the in the U.S. This is in the U.S. Yes. Mm -hmm. this is in the so, US. Yeah. Um, over so the, the age of 35, the risks do go up. Mm -hmm. So miscarriage is pretty common. I think most people either have experienced it or know someone close to them that has um, infant loss or stillborn is much less common um, and m people might have less uh, experience with sort of personally understanding what uh, this is like. So could you give to our listeners, because I think really an important part of feeling committed to a cause or understanding is to be able to empathize with what what is this like? Um, obviously, one can imagine that it's horrific, but um, what sort of unique problems um, does a person going through any of these challenges face? So let, 
So it, it, it's interesting that you say that, that um, people don't know people who had a stillbirth, but the truth is probably everyone knows someone who had a stillbirth, but we just don't talk about it. And yeah. that's really the, one of the unique challenges is that you can't really talk about it comfortably. If a parent passes away, everybody understands that. It's very open. It's very public. Whether or not there's a, a shiva or some other memorial, there's some acknowledgement of the lost people pass around pictures, and everyone understands that loss. But in the case of a stillbirth, you're, the, you, you, you've not only lost the child, you lost all of the hopes and dreams. You've already planned out the, if you, so many people know the sex of the baby already, they've already planned out the, the furniture and the colors of the room and the clothing, and they've already decided which schools they're going to. And, you know, in some communities you signed up for preschool practically when you're pregnant, and the whole life is ahead, and you have that all in your head. And then it doesn't happen, and you've lost all of that. And yet, it isn't okay to talk about it in a public way. It just sort of stops conversations if you would try. I mean, Riva can talk a little bit about what happened to her. When, what, why don't you tell that story? When your friends used to cross the street. So, um, Ellen, thanks. <laughs> Always a reminder of that. Um, so, basically, um, the Hummer Comfort started 30 years ago uh, on Passover. As I said, my father was the rabbi in many communities. At that time, he was the rabbi in Reading, Pennsylvania. And our, um, our firstborn son passed away. He lived for 12 hours, and um, he died of a congenital heart defect. We were told, you know, just go home, get pregnant, and, and move on with life. And we did. Unfortunately, there was no awareness about this type of loss, and people didn't know. They would call it a miscarriage. They would call it uh, your, the, the baby that passed away. They would say, did the baby have SIDS, because that was what we knew. My friends would, would see me on, you know, in town and would cross the street because they didn't know what to say to me. Uh, the people would bring me food, pizza, pizza, lots and lots of pizza. Um, if we don't talk about it, it never happened. So, um, so when you ask, you know, what people know, uh, you know, people, people have been losing babies for, for years. It's really in the last 50 years that we've become more uncomfortable talking about it because just the way society is. When I, uh, my grandmother had a stillborn in the 40s, and to the day she died at 82, she wanted to know where her little girl was. So, you know, people ask me, are we getting more phone calls? Are there more cases? And what Ellen had mentioned before, people are more comfortable taught it. But we also have advancements in fertility treatments. We advancements in medical technology. So people are able to, to the attachment sooner with the sonogram. So when we work with the families, we really work with early miscarriage to the age of one, and it's the loss. What I think is fascinating that you explained to me when we spoke before is that this sort of exact slice of sort of suffering that you specialize in, there are organizations that help with infertility and all the struggles and all the challenges and all the pain that go through that. And then there's organizations that handle the death of a child one and above, but there was no one in the um, miscarriage to up to one years old space. And so that was, when did you realize that 
um, there's no one else handling this sort of slice of space, and it will be for me now to do something about. Well, when we, after our loss, which occurred on Passover, and I was pregnant by September and realized I would, you know, it was before the age of computers and, and um, we had to look at newspapers and there was no support group. There was no support system um, in the secular world, in the Judaic world. And, um, and basically people would find out about our loss, about my loss. They would have their own loss. They would call me on the phone secretly. We would talk on the phone. Uh, people from the New Jersey area, from Teaneck, and, you know, further out, if people's sibling had lost a baby. And then, um, but we would say when we hung up the phone, we won't even acknowledge each other. So I realized there was no support system. There was no place to go. There was no place for, for guidance, for Jewish guidance, for it was affecting myself, it was affecting my husband, um, and it was really basically just, just moving through it. Uh, seven years after my son had passed away, I was also having experiencing miscarriages. A wonderful woman, Johanna Gorev, who was our local Lamaze coach at the time, and then she began to work uh, the head of parent education at Holy Name Medical Center in Teaneck, called me and said she just was trained at an organization called Resolve Through Share in La Crosse, Wisconsin, at Gunther Lutheran Hospital. And they're training social workers in the field of infant pregnancy loss and I said you're making this up there is no support for people like us and yes there was and she started a support group invited me to come to help but really they were helping me as well and as the Jewish community started to grow locally and people started to feel more comfortable discussing their losses publicly uh, we felt, and Johanna and myself, we felt there was a need to start a group for the Jewish community. And we work with, as we say, the atheist Jew to the ultra-Orthodox Jew and everybody in between. And I went back and I got trained as a chaplain. I was teaching uh, kindergarten, which is an uh, interesting field to be in after the losses. And I um, started a support group first in um, Holy Name Medical Center for many years. And so what uh, services does Nechama Comfort currently offer? So pr our primary focus is always the immediate family that has the loss. Uh, mm -hmm. Typically that involves counseling, um, but it can be intervention with any issues that come up with the hospital dealing with um, their, their, the individual's community, dealing with uh, things as, as um, practical as funeral homes and cemeteries. Um, anything that the family is just not in a position to deal with the minutiae, they have to focus on keeping themselves sort of sane and, and, and just helping each other through the loss. And, and that just means that there are a lot of paperwork and things that are thrown at them that they need help with. So that's our primary focus as a family. And then we've expanded that to support groups where the, where the individuals and their families can support each other. So many times we hear, I, I can't believe that I'm not alone in this. For so long, I thought I was alone. I thought I was crazy for feeling this way. I feel so angry. I feel so, that people get angry and they can't do anything about what happened to them. They're angry about what happened to them, but they have no place to 
with that anger. So they get angry at all sorts of other things, and then they think they're crazy, there's something wrong with them. So when they can support each other and say, sure, that's how I feel all the time. I'm angry at God, I'm angry at, at you know my neighbor, I'm angry at all these things, and they can support each other and go, okay, we understand what's happening here. I'm not alone in this. And then we've expanded that to communities, because as Reva's experience with her friends, her, 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 um, her clergy, who, who really didn't know what to say and do, we spent a lot of time trying to educate communities on things not to say. People try to be very helpful. Oh, I know what you're going through, um, or other sorts of support things that, um, that, that they're trying to be helpful. And so we have a lot of... Um, advice for them on what to avoid saying. But also people don't know what to say. It's hard to know what to say. We, in general, it's hard to know what to say to people who are grieving in any situation or of any tragedy. And so we give them a list of things that they can say, ways that, ways that they can be helpful. Because the truth is that most people are nice giving people. And like you said in the beginning of that chesed, they would like to be helpful, but they don't always know the best way. So we so can, can you, give them guidance. Can you help us a little bit now for our listeners that we have here? Uh, you know, listening today, give us some pointers because as you're talking, this is what I'm thinking. Most of the time, um, a big belly ends up with a baby in a stroller, and sometimes you might see the mom out post big belly and no baby there, and you think the baby's just elsewhere, and you do the mazeltov. How's the baby doing? And then, God forbid, you hear the worst news imaginable. So, uh, do we? Uh, how how do we be sensitive? Like, how can we prepare ourselves to be sensitive if? There could, God forbid, be bad news, even if it's it's a minuscule number. Um, and then once we know that there is a loss, what do we do? So basically what we want to tell people is you treat this loss just as any other loss. Whatever you would do when you would hear about somebody, God forbid, loses a parent, an older child, it's a loss. You know, under, under 30 days in, in, quote, Jewish law, there is no official mourning time. And we're not given the shiva time or the or the um, the the uh, allowment of so to you know grieving. So in that respect, people just treat it, and also sometimes medically, you know, it's just like you know having a wart removed. But people need to understand that this, from an early miscarriage till the age of one, it's a loss. So if your community, you know, we give food. Food is big. So of course. Basic things like that, the food setting up, the carpools, whatever is needed. And just to say the words, I'm sorry. Don't say the words, how are you? We know how they are. We know um, they're not good. Just exact, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of you. You know, um, I'm, I'm sorry to hear what you're going through. How can I help you? Uh, how, would you? Would you like to talk? It's good to see you. And... We want to um, to try to get, I usually try to get a point person when we meet with a family. It could be the, the clergy, it could be a good friend, it could be the fam, uh, a family member, who's ever the most sane in the room, to really take charge. You know, we meet with the couple. Do you, how, how do you want people to know about this? You know, we live in an age of technology, texting, emails. You know, I still like the one-on-one -on -one personal contact. But... Find out, do, they, do these people want visitors? Do they not want visitors? And this can change. This can change between, um, you know, each day how the person feels. It's also a very unique loss in the sense that both spouses are experiencing the loss at once. So we have to remember also to, to talk to the man, to talk to the father. 
if there's other children involved, to, to talk to the teachers, to talk to, to friends, parents, and to say, and, and, that, and to, it's okay if you go over and you say to them, um, how's everything? Oh, I heard you gave birth. And they say to you, they tell you what happened. And it's normal. It's normal human behavior to be uncomfortable with, with that. But then you just say, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. To acknowledge the loss, to, make, to really know that, um, that it existed. Uh, and, and again, finding out from the couple, was there a funeral? Was there a cemetery? Was there a burial? Uh, does the baby have a name? All these important things. Pictures are taken um, and, uh, many times at a certain stage of a pregnancy of, a, of the baby. Do the, does the couple want to show the picture? And I've gone into homes now. There's, there's professional photographers after stillbirth that take these beautiful pictures, and these are hanging up. And, yes, you may feel uncomfortable, but it's sort of having to deal with your own personal, um, how you deal with loss and grief, and to respect the couple. And to remember, you know, remember they have, they have a yurt site. It may not be officially. There's a day to remember every year to text them just to say, I'm thinking of you, and to be understanding. We're, we're actually coming to uh, the end of our show somehow. Surprisingly, this is all really fascinating, and it's a topic that I feel like we never talk about. Um, I just want to get two things in in the last few minutes. Uh, could you tell us an anecdote of, you know, a specific story of someone you helped? And then I'd like to also talk about how our listeners can find you and an event that you're having um, coming up in July. So you got three minutes for those uh, couple things. Okay. Let's give you the contact information first. Um, the, so one way to reach us is our email address, which is nechamacomfort, N-E-C-H-A-M-A-C-O-M-F-O-R-T, nechamacomfort, uh, at gmail.com, and we have a website, which is www.nechamacomfort.org, um, and those are the two ways to reach us. Okay, great, and then we'll tell us about um, if you have uh, an anecdote, of, you know, a story of someone's life who you've touched. Yes, so a wonderful example that happened recently was I got a phone call. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I see my phone going crazy and I know something had happened. There was a couple, a uh, young couple, they were expecting their first child. Both of them had family locally and connections to us in a personal way. Uh, they delivered the baby. Unfortunately, they knew before they were going to deliver the baby that it was going to be stillborn. Uh, the grandparents, all four grandparents, reached out to me as well as the rabbis in the communities, in the local communities, how we can help. How as a group can we help this couple? And because we knew from the beginning we were able to go to the hospital, visit with the couple, explain to them that whatever the hospital is offering is okay to do. Nahama Comfort is always about choices, and we want each family to know what the choices are. And in return, this couple held the baby, the grandparents held the baby, even the great-grandmother came and, and held the baby, as well as cousins. And this helped, going down the line, help this couple to really grieve that, they, that the family, they had their family support, that they were acknowledged that this was their child and that these are their parents. And they were able to, we guided the rabbi into the burial and, and everything, and everything went smoothly, as best as it could be. And a year 
she came, then she continued. We went to visit her at home. We we called when we said we were going to call, and she re- attended our Riverdale support group as well as our T-neck support group. Our T-neck support group is for couples, and our Riverdale is for women. She attended both. We were able to watch her uh, deal with her grief and to help her deal with the grief and to move through it. And she had another baby a year later, uh, which we were, you know, uh, blessed to go to the to the birth and to see her name the baby. Her first baby's name, uh, she named Zachariah, which means remembrance. And what was interesting was that we came to to help break the new baby, but the, right afterwards, the next week, she had a memorial um, kiddush in synagogue for her baby that had passed away a year later. And that's really an example. We try to put this loss in your life and and go through it. And we talked to the grandparents, and we were able to then do a community awareness program as well to help her friends. And now she is giving back in the support group. Very nice. Beautiful. Um, And just in our last little bit of time, if you could let us know, you've got something coming up in July that our listeners can be a part of. Yes, absolutely. We have an amazing event. What we're doing is we're taking um, a, a reflective time to think about what, what, um, how we can honor the memories of our children, but also think about um, studying in a group study um, to uh, come together in what we call a seum and have a Torah completion ceremony joined with our memorial. Um, and we're going to be celebrating this at a barbecue on July 25th at the Teaneck Jewish Center in Teaneck at 6.15. So uh, there'll be invitations going out soon. And we, the entire community is invited, all spectrum, the entire tri-state area. Uh, the sound, anyone who can hear the sound of this, uh, of this wonderful show is definitely invited to attend and participate. And, right, it, this is not only a support for the families who have had losses, it's a communal... Um, gathering for everyone together uh, to to help t- uh, fundraise for Nahama Comfort and to continue the work that we're doing in the community. And um, what are some things for someone who has not personally had a loss? I'm saying, will they be learning, you know, about some you know ways to be more sensitive, or um, can they get involved? As, are there things that lay people that are not you know personally struggling uh, with this issue ourselves? That, that we can do to, you know, lessen the loss for, I mean, other, obviously fundraising is always an important thing, but are there other needs that you have for um, anyone that's listening today that might want to get more involved in this cause? For a starter, if you go on our website, um, uh, nakamacomfort.org, there is a list of do's and don'ts, so check that out. Also, um, we do have volunteers that call us who, who say to me, we've never had losses in our life. However, after talking to them, somebody did have a loss somewhere. And they, we've had people come and volunteer. We hope to be offering a training session. We're going to be developing, uh, you know, with the funding, a hotline. Uh, so we're learning really to train people because, unfortunately, the phone rings every day with, with somebody somewhere. And we want to be developing support groups, training sessions, so that we're able to be uh, everywhere. So there uh, so there is uh, plenty of things for people to do to get involved, and we really welcome everybody, everybody's help. And do you have a and sense of your metrics, how many people you have uh, helped over the last 30 years? Uh, about, 
Well, Nechama Company is an organization. In the last five years, we've helped about um, 400 individual families. Got it. Okay, fine. So it was more unofficial with Reva after her loss, and in the last five years, you became more of an official entity. Is is that sort of the, right. the correct That's way to say? Right. It? And each year, that number goes up. Right. I I that, the last twenty-four hours, I've had three new uh, people call me. So and uh, from all after over the, the show, world, that call from Israel. After the show, we're going to be busy. Yeah, and and we we have a presence on social media, so people finally um, know how to get to us. There was a woman who came to our last support group who said that she's sort of been suffering by herself for two years because she didn't know that we existed. So the more that we can get the word out, the more that we can make it okay to talk about loss, the more people will be able to get the help and the support that they need. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for being there to give back, uh, you know, since you got through, you, you moved through your pain, as you said, and help others to do the same. And thank you so much for listening. You can find us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.